Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Caravans, campervans, motorhomes and more. It's the place to get hints, tips and impartial advice from the expert himself, Matt Sims. Brought to you by thatleisureshop.com. Join us on the journey with Motorhome Matt. Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast with me Keith Gooden and me Motorhome Matt he's the expert and me well I'm just here to glam it up a bit <laughs> is that what you are yeah. I thought it was raised the average age <laughs> anyway let's continue shall we in this podcast we're talking about breakdown in Europe and UK with RAC arrival Matt's had a lot of dealings with that particular particular uh, rescue service and we also thought it would be a good idea to for a bit of balance as we've interviewed the president of the AA and um, to have the RAC on as well so stand by for that some good reveals coming up in this one and uh, let's delve into the news first of all then shall we Matt Camper vans are no longer welcome at a popular Mumbles car park. The Mumbles is in Wales, isn't it? Mm. And Beauty Sport. Uh, Swansea Council has introduced height restriction measures to limit the size of vehicles able to park at Nab Rock Car Park. Yeah, have you ever been there? I've never been there. Is it picturesque? It's very picturesque. Yeah, it's a lovely part of the world. In fact, we often stop at Mumbles and then carry on uh, a bit further on into Carmarthenshire. But yeah, they put this height restriction on. You can't go in there anymore. The locals did protest about it it's been overturned so the height restriction is staying so if you're going to the mumbles and planning to go to nabrock car park you won't be going in your motorhome sorry what is it i mean why can't we just have a middle ground i mean you know people don't like too many motorhomes in car parks uh, so they just ban them all is there not an easier a better way of doing this sort of thing yeah i don't know i mean a, a time restraint on how long you can park there maybe um or book a space you have to book a space and then when they're full nobody else can come in well, yeah, maybe. That just sounds complicated. Yeah. Well, it's no more complicated than driving around for another hour looking for somewhere to park. <laughs> I suppose <laughs> not. Yeah, that's very true. Maybe people have been staying there overnight. I don't know. People don't like it. But it smells a little bit of NIMBY to me. Not in my backyard. Yes. Um, maybe. Maybe that's unfair. But um, anyway, it's a shame. It's a beautiful spot. You can go in the car, but not in your motorhome. No, one fewer place to park in a motorhome. John Gooch and Shepton Manet Show. Tell me all yeah, about that. So John from the YouTube channel Life Beyond Bricks. John and I are doing a presentation together at the Southwest Motorhome and Campervan Show at the Royal Bath and West Showground uh, on September the 9th at 2.30. This is going to be a big session on the transition from diesel to electric. So we're very much future gazing and we want your contribution so if you can come along and join us on that saturday afternoon it will be a big discussion session i think uh, and what we're trying to do really is pull together uh, concerns and questions from you our listeners and people who have a motorhome and we're going to continue campaigning for our little corner of the world to the ev marketplace over the coming years as we transition into an electric motorhome world which you know inevitably will come so if you can't make it but you'd like to contribute to this session john and i would love to hear from you you can go to motorhomemat.co.uk forward slash ask matt you can submit a form with your question or you can record it and we can feature it in a future podcast as an audio playout as well please tell us where you are in the country It'd be lovely to know but if you can come saturday the 9th at 2 30 p.m we're in the presentation theater at the shepton mallet show as we love to call it locally and if you're coming along, there's a little code to save you some money, isn't there? There is, yeah. If you use the code Motorhome Matt, you can get a few pence off your ticket. So if you've not yet bought a day ticket, then go to their website, outandaboutlive.co.uk forward slash shows. Uh, click on the Shepton Mallet show. Uh, it's called the Southwest 
Motorhome Campervan Show, and you can get your tickets there. Use the code Motorhome Matt, save a few pence. And the big show at the NEC uh, in Birmingham. There's yeah. also a code for that. You, you know, you're starring there as well, I <laughs> I don't know if I'm starring. I'm very proud to say I've been asked to be on an Ask the Experts panel every day at 1.30 during the show. This is the big NEC show in October, uh, which I find very humbling and a great honour. So I'll be there. We'll be filming content throughout the week. Go and see us as well. We've got a stand at the entrance to Hall 9. But again, if you've not bought your ticket, I would advise you to do it ASAP. Last year, several days of the show sold out. I'm sure that will happen again. If you use the code MMAT, then you get to save a few pence off your tickets again. Uh, go to mcshow.co.uk, enter the code MMAT and save a few pence off your ticket. I went there this morning and checked it was working, and it does. Wow, hey. And you know how many um, invites I've had uh, at the big show to come along and give talks? None. And that's it. <laughs> what would you talk about? Oh, all sorts of things. <laughs> Humongifying my... How you uh, held Jimi Hendrix pants all those years ago. No, that wasn't me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you wore them. That wasn't me. No, no. I'm sure you've got some rock and roll story you could share. I probably have, but it isn't that one. And uh, like I say, humongifying motorhomes. That's what we did, isn't it, last... uh, Humongifying. Yeah, humongifying them. Homologating. That's the one. (laughs) Yeah. That was last week. Go back and listen. It is the Motorhome Map Podcast brought to you with atleisureshop.com. Let's have for our very favourite, well, your favourite, product of the week. Ta-da! This is more than a week favourite. I'd say, right, you ready for this? I'm getting this oh, from under the desk. Are you getting, it, getting it out? This is my favourite product, this little light. Ready? Look at that. He has got a little light which he has magnified onto the tin and it is now flashing. It's a, it's a flashing beacon. Yeah, so it, you're listening. Uh, it's a bright it's orange like, beacon. Oh, this is a this oh, is a V16 oh. beacon. <laughs> are you back in the room? Oh, hang on. I'm back. Yeah. so i'll describe it this little beacon sits in the palm of your hand it's a v16 beacon this is replacing the warning triangle in spain from the 1st of january 2026 you legally have to have one of these if you're going to spain the rest of europe and the uk are still accepting the warning triangle at the moment the beacon is a legally accepted alternative but it will become law the best bit about it is if you're in a car, so in a motorhome this doesn't really work because it's made of plastic, but if you're in a car, you don't have to get out of the car to display it. You simply put it out your windscreen and pop it on the roof and it will start flashing white. The second time you apply it, it actually, uh, if I do this a second time, look, it turns into a torch. Oh, that's very good. It's, it's a bright white light. Continuous white. So it goes from orange flashing to continuous white. Yeah. And, it, and if you're in a motorhome, which of course you can't do that because it's a plastic body, there's a switch. You just twist it and it turns on like so. I can just turn it on manually and then place it behind the motorhome or I can place it back up the road where I would have put the warning triangle. So Keith, how many metres behind your car should you place a warning triangle? A hundred. Nope. Forty-five. Minimum. They are, it's in the highway code. So if I put it at 100, I'm doing the right thing? Uh, yeah, well, it meant, it's meant to be 45 yeah, metres. Just a longer right? walk back to the girl. <laughs> well, and that's the reason these yeah. the law's been changed, because there are lots of reports of people getting killed putting their warning triangle out, uh, and they don't even get to safety. So these are uh, an ideal replacement for that, and, and I think they're brilliant. All the team here have got one in their car. My kids have got them in their car. I might even give you one, Keith, for your glove well, I was box. just going to say, I'm the only one who hasn't got one. What you're trying to tell me? (laughs) Do you know what? Driving back from Suffolk, we actually were on a smart motorway and we saw someone. I was coming up behind a car on my left. I was in lane two 
and it was a small, I think it was a Hyundai, and it broke down. She was coming to a stop, a young lady driving it, and she was obviously having a problem. It was stuttering, uh, and it came to a halt behind me, and I looked in my mirror, and there was a car powering up behind her, which I saw suddenly break and change lane. What was most interesting is 100 yards in front of us were those over overhead signs on the gangway. They did not go to a red X on lane one, despite the fact that those sensors should have picked her up. Uh, and then close the lane instantly. It didn't happen. Imagine if she decided to get out and put a warning triangle behind the car, which, interestingly, as per the highway code, rule 286, you shouldn't put a warning triangle behind your car on a motorway because, A, it's dangerous and it can blow into the oncoming carriage and or the you know, passing vehicles and cause an obstruction for them. She could have done with one of these and just leant out of the window and popped it on the roof uh, along with her hazard lights. But... It was lethal, and there was no protection for it. We had to carry on, you know, because there was nowhere for us to pull over or anything. And you know, we actually saw that smart motorway risk in action. They are so dangerous, so, so dangerous. So how much did this little uh, dingbat cost you? 20 or quid. Cheap. Go and get one. What's it called again? A V16 beacon. Now, the V16 bit means that it's flashing the right colour orange. Uh, it's got an auto-trigger switch inside, which is... Uh, when connected to metal, the magnet switch applies, and it can be seen from a kilometre away at night. That's the key. It's the Motorhome Map podcast. I'm Keith Gooden. And I'm Motorhome Matt. And today's episode is all about breakdown in Europe and the UK with RAC arrival. Uh, we've had the AA on, now we're going to have the RAC on. And if you've been listening to some of our past podcasts, you'll know that Motorhome Matt, he is a bit of a customer of the RAC, <laughs> uh, for good or for bad. Uh, so uh, tell us a, a little bit about, about what we're going to be talking about today then, Matt. Yeah, so uh, if you listen and follow the podcast, you'll know that I broke down in an alpha Mayo standard and had a bit of a long wait for recovery 15 and a half hours which was all very unfortunate the IC have sorted that with us since and I've been recompensed for that our breakdown cover for our motorhome hire business is also with the RAC now we're covering 30 odd motorhomes so the chances of a breakdown are much higher uh, and we did unfortunately have a motorhome breakdown the other week it was actually being driven by the BBC2 Digging for Britain presenter the lovely Alice Roberts wind back a few episodes and I interview her about working in a motorhome it was a Ford Transit based motorhome and one of the diesel injectors had failed I made the phone call to the RAC and took a deep breath and thought right let's see what happens two minutes later I had a phone call and said, hi, I'm Carl, I'm the patrolman from the RAC, just seen your job, I'm on my way. I couldn't believe it. I said, well, I've, I've only just hung up on the call centre. He said, oh, it's just appeared on my screen, I'm, 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 I'm actually only 12 minutes away from you. I said, well, I'm not actually there, it's a, it's a lone lady, she's in a fuel station. He said, well, I reckon I'll be there in 12 minutes. And sure enough, he was, within half an hour... Alice knew what was wrong with the motorhome, so did I, and we then could come up with a plan on getting her in another one. And he'd already spoken, Carl had already spoken to the fuel station manager and cleared that it was okay to park the motorhome there overnight and have it relayed tomorrow if that's what I chose to do. He then gave me the choice. He said, I can relay it this evening. This was about half past five, six o'clock in the evening. Uh, and I said, well, actually, that would be more convenient for us if you could you know, get it to us tomorrow. And he said, great, so we'll do that. Um, so in the morning, it will be relayed to you, get a phone call. So within an hour and a half of Alice making the phone call, we were there with her. Thankfully, it was only in Newport, so not very far away, with another motorhome. She was on her way, uh, ready to the, the next campsite and the next dig site where they were filming the next day. Uh, and the following morning, our motorhome arrived back 
brilliant phone calls, communication, absolutely flawless service. I mean, I couldn't fault it at all. A polemic experience to my previous one, which was interestingly followed the following day by a phone call from the CEO of the REC, uh, a lovely chap called Paul Coward. I have no idea why the CEO of the RAC rang me. Uh, and he said, were well, you offered a repair service at the side of the motorway uh, in this fuel station? I said, no, uh, it was relayed back to us. I said, I didn't know you could you know, repair an injector. He said, yeah, we have a mobile repair service and they'll come out, a separate team, and fix it at the side of the road. Uh, you pay for it, obviously, but you weren't offered that. So uh, I'd like to make sure you are offered that. And the patrolman had said, well, that the these guys got a garage. Uh, we'll take it there. We'll relay it tomorrow. So I said, well, actually, I said, it, it does need repairing. Um, would you come and have a look at it? I'd be happy to. £55. This is a brand new service from the RAC. Uh, they duly came. And unfortunately, the injector was frozen in. It rusted in place. Standard Ford Transit fault to this. Uh, and they said, look, we can't get it out. It needs really to go into a garage. No charge. No charge at all. Put all the motorhome back together so we could drive it to the garage, which it would do very slowly. And no charge at all. I, fantastic service. The guys that came, the mechanics that came were really, really helpful, really lovely and very passionate. And so it's a brand new service from the RAC. And I said to Paul that we would love to get you on the podcast. We did invite you before repeatedly when I had this awful experience of the service and you declined, your PR team refused to. And so Paul very kindly has offered to come on, Um, not himself, but he's got one of his PR and comms team to come on. And so we waited and waited and no RAC interview came forward, which is disappointing. Uh, So what we did was we got Matt in his motorhome to update you. I'm sorry to report that Simon didn't make it to our interview. Unfortunately, he was busy, uh, too busy to do the interview with me, which is pretty disappointing. So we asked Paul to comment on the questions that we posed to the AA and others as a minimum. Uh, And Paul was very kind to do so. He did want to be highlighted that he is a backroom boy, albeit the CEO, but he is CEO of RAC Servicing, Maintenance and Repair and not the breakdown or insurance business. So thank you for clarifying that, Paul. Um, So the first question we had for uh, the RAC were, are the number of calls for breakdown assistance increasing? And Paul replied with, uh, and this is his email, older cars break down more. The UK vehicles continue to get older, meaning more and more members rely on our services. This combined with the cost of living crisis, squeezing household budgets means people are not maintaining their cars as well have they, as they may have done previously. As a result, we are expecting our busiest ever year for breakdowns of circa 2.5 million. A new service from the RAC is a nationwide team of mobile mechanics who can service your car, internal combustion or electric on your driveway, reducing the cost and hassle of taking your car to the garage. The second question I posed to Paul was, what percentage of call-outs do you receive that should be resolved by other means? He said, we fix four out of five breakdowns, 80%, on the spot in about half an hour, which means we only have to recover a fifth to a garage for repair which we do by a combination of our patrol's rapid deployment towing system in the back of every van or a recovery truck. 
When a permanent repair is needed post-breakdown, we can take the car to an RAC-approved garage or we can send an RAC mobile mechanic, often next day, if the parts are available to repair the car. I went on to ask, breakdown recovery times seem to vary across the country. Is this true? He said, we roster our patrols to match where and when breakdowns happen, depending on traffic and exact location and time of day, the time it takes for one of our patrols to get to you will vary. In the summer, this involves relocating patrols to where the breakdowns are. We have many who move to coastal areas for several weeks to take account of people's holidays. Finally, I asked him, what is the biggest challenge your organisation is facing at this time? He said, the ability to move broken down EVs, electric vehicles, which often lock all four wheels and become a two-ton-plus immovable object, is a significant challenge which is only set to increase as more EVs come onto our roads. Instead of sending a truck with a crane, we have developed two solutions to cope with the issue. RAC EV Boost allows us to charge a flat or severely depleted EV from a lightweight onboard charger in our vans. This was developed for us by a UK company and we are the only breakdown company that has it. It avoids having to carry large batteries around which then have to be recharged before using again. We have also adapted the rapid deployment towing system fitted to every RAC van so we can recover EVs and other cars with all four wheels off the road instead of just two. It's like having a flatbed in the back of an RAC van. And he gave us a web link where you can find out more at www.rac.co.uk forward slash innovation. So to Paul, CEO of RAC Servicing, Maintenance and Repair, thank you very much for coming back to us with your questions. To Simon, the door is still open. We'd love to welcome you to join us for an actual conversation on the podcast, I'm sure our many, many thousands of listeners who have RAC arrival cover, which is specific to motorhomes and caravans, would love to hear from you and to hear a little bit more about behind the scenes of what's going on at the RAC and what they can expect in the future. I must say, I am still very disappointed that the RAC didn't turn up for this interview, but hopefully, if you need to call them, they will turn up in a timely fashion for you. It's the Motorhome Matt podcast with me, Keith Gooden. And me, Motorhome Matt. It's brought to you with that leisureshop.com. I say it every week. I'm going to say it again. My favourite bit of the whole podcast uh, where you get in touch and ask us uh, the questions. Uh, first of all, Sarah Louise Smithurst has been in touch. Hi, Matt. Hi, Keith. This is Sarah in Playvan, Central Brittany in France. I'm just wondering if you have any news on the LPG, or as it's known here, GPL, filling stations to top up your gas bottles. We have the plumbed-in refillable gas bottles in the van, and we've seen a few signs that we're wondering if it's now illegal on some of the forecourts. And the GPLC, which is with a carburet, is that potentially a problem? Any advice would be great. Love the podcast. Thank you, Sarah Louise Smithurst in Brittany. <laughs> you did it. Stop it. I said don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, LPG. Or 
GPL. As it's known in France. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Illegal. No, I'm not aware of that at all. That's news to me. I think there's an issue here, which a lot of people who've been to France will be familiar with, which is actually that the gas you're buying is for propulsion, so powering your engine, whereas actually you're buying it to cook with. And they have different VAT ratings, uh, and the garages don't like it. So if they see that you're putting gas into a refillable bottle, they will know that you're planning to cook up your sausages on it, uh, and they will decline you uh, service. It seems that the smaller rural garages that dispense LPG, as we call it, just turn a blind eye to this. But I think that might be the reason. As for it being illegal, no, I'm happy to be corrected here. Um, I've not been to France in a motorhome this year, so not had the first-hand experience of anything changing. But certainly, yes, I've been declined refilling gas. In fact, it wasn't far from you. It was outside of Brittany. Uh, I was told, no, no gas, no gas. What was they saying? No gas. No gas, no gas. No gas, that's what no he gas, said. No gasers. No gasers. No gasers. But what's it like in Spain? I've never had a problem putting gas in the van for cooking at a fuel station. So, yeah, um, Sarah, it's, it's hard to answer the question specifically. Maybe you're listening and you know this answer. Maybe you've had the same experience. You're trying to put in GLPC, so it's got carbon in, which is, which makes no difference to your cooking gas. It's just a, an additive which helps it in the engine somehow, something clever. And maybe you've been refused. I don't know. But anyway, that's my experience, and that might be why it's the VAT rating is different. Michael Palin, no, not that one, is in crew. He says, I have a motorhome with a macerator toilet. Nice. Here we go again, toilets. Chopping it up. Uh, It macerates (laughs) before it goes into the waste tank. I use no chemicals, so it's basically the same waste as you would have have at home. Oh. I have the option of dumping it straight out of the bottom over any drain or using a waste buggy. I also have the option of pumping my grey water through my black tank to flush out. I can have up to 250 litres of waste in total. Is it acceptable to put this waste into the grey waste grid or should I fill the chemical waste tank? Thanks, says Michael Palin in Poo, crew. (laughs) Poo. (laughs) Michael, please, let me stop you there. Do not empty your black waste into your grey tank, or not, you're not suggesting that, but into a grey drain. Please don't. No is the answer. Definitely don't do it. It is human waste. I don't care whether it's been sliced and diced. Don't put it down a drain. It needs to go down a sewer. No gas. No gas. (laughs) No pool. Don't. The answer is no. Is that categorically enough? You must be in an American RV because 250 litres of poo and wee is an awful lot of waste. I'm guessing it's an American motorhome or some big, big European thing. Uh, I'd love to know what it is, actually. Anyway, the fact you can flush your grey tank through your black tank. What's a grey tank and a black tank? Can so, you just right, okay. explain them to the me? The black tank is your poo and wee, comes out your bum. And the grey tank is the wastewater. You've, you've spat in it because you cleaned your teeth with it or you've washed up with it. It's called grey water. Now, that is meant to go down a waste disposal point into the sewer. Arguably, (laughs) arguably, here we go, let's get some comments. You can empty that into a rain drain, but that just goes into the rivers, right? And that's got soap in it, you've spat in it, it's got toothpaste in it. There's lots and lots of debate about where you should empty your grey waste. If you can empty it down a drain that goes into a sewer... I'd say that would be preferable. Well, in your home, it goes into the sewer. Just you know, stick to that rule. Well, surely. does it? Yes, I mean, it does. Okay. Yeah. Does it? Yes. 
because where Wessex Water <laughs> lived by us, yeah. I know for a fact, yeah. well, it goes in a sewer yeah. and then it ends up in the Seven Estuary. Yeah, well, that's another thing entirely. <laughs> yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. So, and that's, you know, arguably then, you know, for Michael, you say, well, it's going to end up in the river anyway, so I might as well just dump it at the side of the river. Well, you're going to get in big trouble if you do that. So please don't. There is a chance that the water board will treat it responsibly and will treat it and put it through a sewage or recycling plant uh, ready for us to drink again. That's what happens. But please, no. The answer is no. Do not empty it onto the side of the road. And it, with your grey water as well, I mean, I have to admit, and I will confess, we have been emptying our grey water into the grass on a campsite as we leave uh, or into a rain drain at the side of the road for years, and I always consider that acceptable. I have to say now I make an effort to empty the grey water into a sewer as well. If a campsite's got an emptying point, I will always use that. It's only a big uh, concrete area you drive over, and it's it sort of sloped into a drain. Uh, and I assume that goes into the main sewer, uh, and that's where I always choose to empty it. But I have been guilty of emptying it into a rain drain, and I've been corrected on this. Uh, so if that's you, be corrected as well, because it ends up in the river. Thanks, Michael Palian from Poo Crew. Crew from Crew. <laughs> <laughs> Simon's in Liverpool. Hi, Matt. For your upcoming podcast on van life, see if you can get hold of Tanya and Adam from Jits into the Sunset. Uh. They are by far the best van lifer YouTubers. No, no, Simon. <laughs> no. Second best, my friend. <laughs> Second best. Uh, watch their stuff on YouTube, he says. Hopefully you can get them on. Cheers. I love Tanya and Adam. I've yeah. actually been following their podcast since they first started. Uh, they took a break from it for a while. They live in a van called Jits, and their podcast is called Jits Into the Sunset. It is really good. They are filmmakers, um, and their content's brilliant. They've been off backpacking and hiking for a while. So they're back now recording new content. So, yes, we will try and get them on. Uh, and you say we're the best van life for YouTube. Are we van life? Am I van life? That's I don't the... know. You're the expert. You tell me. <laughs> well, that's the question we're posing to a whole load of van life organised festival organisers and some YouTubers and people who would say they are van life. What is it? Who is it for? Stay tuned. That episode is coming very soon. Thanks, Simon in Liverpool, otherwise known as Tanya and Adam from Jason to the Sunset. <laughs> you reckon he is there? Yeah. How, do, how do people get in touch with us then, Matt? Really easily. Just go to motohomemat.co.uk forward slash ask Matt. You can record your question or contribution on the orange button. We love to hear your voice and know where you are recording it. Uh, and I mean which city, not which room of the house. Uh, or if you prefer not to hear your own voice, then you can fill in the form and submit your question that way. And if you're a business or involved in the motorhome caravanning or camping industry, we are always looking for sponsors. Uh, we want you to talk directly to our fabulously loyal and brilliant and intelligent listeners. So sponsorship is always available. Now, if people listen uh, on Apple and Spotify, what should they do? Please leave us a review. We, there are two places there that you can leave a five-star review. It really helps spread the awareness of the podcast. So if you're listening on Apple or on Spotify, leave us a five-star review. We would be genuinely very grateful. And if you've got any friends, share the Motorhome Matt <laughs> podcast with uh, your friends. It always helps, doesn't it, Matt? It does, yeah. If you think that you know somebody who might find this content useful, you never know. There might be the odd piece of information in it. Uh, we're told that it is really helpful and has influenced people in spending six figures, as in over £100,000, which I find quite a responsibility. But if you know someone that you think might find it useful, please share it with them. Help us spread the word of the podcast and raise the awareness. 
Thanks for listening to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Remember to check back here for more episodes full of hints and tips and helpful advice. We'll see you soon for another Motorhome Matt podcast brought to you with thatleisureshop.com. Oh,